This is the best of daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson from Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Go to jfbelievers.com for more information. Today we're in John chapter 17 and we're going to pick it up in verse 7 where Jesus, there in the garden, just hours before his arrest and crucifixion, had been praying to the Father. Now, over the last couple of chapters, Jesus had been addressing some pretty heavy stuff with the apostles, effectively trying to prepare them for what was coming, for the difficulties, for the trials, the persecution, and ultimately for him to depart from their physical uh, presence to go to be with the Father. He also told them that there would be the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, one who would step in to take his place as their protector. And he picks it up in verse 7 of this, again, speaking to the Father, saying, Now they, uh, speaking of the apostles, have known that all things, whatever you have given me, are from you. For the words which you have given me, I have given to them, and they received them, and knew for sure that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. It's funny that the word that really grabs me out of that passage is that little word, now. Now they have known. So I guess that all that had came to pass, all the good times, all the bad stuff, the blessings, the trials, all of it had had the implicit action of ultimately bringing these boys to this point of actualization, this point of clarity. The clear understanding of just what all this is about and who this Jesus is, this is what the Bible speaks of as gnosko knowledge. It's, it's a knowledge that we gain through the experiences that we have. Now, many of us, frankly, we're never going to know Christ with any kind of clarity and intimacy, certainly not with gnosko, because we're never getting into the game far enough and long enough to ever really experience him. We must take note that he did not come either to give us material stuff or an easy life or a comfortable existence, despite what so many people will try to tell you today. He came, according to his own testimony here, to give us the words of God. So I, in an attempt to be like my Savior as a Christian and as a pastor, I'm not here to give you comfort. I'm not here to bring entertainment or some sort of personal affirmation. I'm also, as Jesus, called to give you the words of God. It says, they knew for sure that I came from you. So by this act of Jesus, they knew who his backer was. And I hope that by my action, you know who is mine. Verse 9 says, I pray for them. I don't pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Now, this verse can be somewhat shocking verse if our theology and our practice is not firmly drawn from Scripture alone. Because catch this here, Jesus is saying, yes, I pray for these followers of mine, but I don't pray for the world. Wow. Yes, Jesus had indeed came to die for the world. One can only wonder what more could be done. 
Now, please don't misunderstand. It's not that Jesus did not or does not care about mankind at large. But the world system gang is a bust. Jesus was not and is not interested in somehow transforming and utilizing this world's infrastructure and political systems. Let's face it, he's calling us spiritually, philosophically, and materially out of this world, just as he will eventually take us out physically too. Now, Jesus is manifesting a great grace And he sees his apostles as having heard God's words, received God's words, and now had lived them out. So despite their personal and corporate failures, despite the fact that they would very soon all run away, just in a matter of a few hours, he instead only saw their obedience and their love for him. It's important that we see that Jesus wasn't a legalist. He wasn't some uptight Pharisee. He knew these guys would fall short, just as he knows we will fall short. But he also knew that they would fall short while actually in the game. And let's face it, that's more than most of us offer. Verse 10 says, All things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Again, he's speaking to his Father in this verse. Now, there may be those who fail less and maybe they look better compared to those Christians that today operate on the front lines and but listen burying our gifting out of fear and laziness it doesn't please our Lord not not on any stretch of the imagination it's important that just like those apostles when it comes to a fumble he can deal with that but you know what not getting on the field well that's something else not engaging is unacceptable It only proves that, well, that we don't love the game. And we certainly don't respect the coach. We all have to decide whether we want to battle on the line or whether we want to lead cheers in the bleachers. Because a clean uniform doesn't mean you're a great player. It generally means you're not playing at all. So despite all of their past shortcomings, and even their future ones, Jesus still says here that he is glorified in them. Wow, I hope he's glorified in me. He said that about these apostles, not because they're so righteous, because they weren't. Not because they had achieved any perfection or any level of holiness, because they hadn't. So I guess this gives me a chance too. Rather, he was glorified in them because, well, they were on the field. And they were trusting him for the victory. They knew they were meaner and tougher and faster and smarter, all because Jesus was there. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. To learn more about Tim Dodson or Believer's Church, visit jfbelievers.com.